All right, here we go. This is it. Episode 53 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Bertitis, Anthony DeMarco from thefourthperiod.com. Going to join us in just a moment. Um, let me tell you about Bet Parks. We're getting down to the nitty gritty here. There could be just one, one NHL Stanley Cup playoff game left. That's it. They're on the brink. The Tampa Bay Lightning are on the brink. I didn't think it would happen in five. I thought seven, but we'll see what happens. Tampa Bay is going to have something to say, but maybe just one, one NHL game left. And then you still have baseball. You still have tennis. You still have golf. You still have Formula One. Plenty to gamble on. Uh, you can still look at the futures in the football and NFL and college football market. All there for you on the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. It is now live. Take it from me. It's very easy to use. And for all sports, it's right in your pocket. Simple to navigate. Simple to get same-game parlays, player performances, points, runs, pitches. Any, no matter what it is, what sport, it's all there for you. Easy, easy, simple to use. And easy to sign up and faster to win than ever before. And here's a great deal. Whether you're signed up already or you're thinking about signing up, right now, all Bet Parks users, again, I use the word all, new and existing, can use the promo code JASON750, JASON750, and that will get you a risk-free bet up to $750. Some of the other sites, they go like 100 bucks, 50 bucks, maybe even 500 Nobody goes to 750 that parks goes to 750. So again, new and existing users use that promo code Jason 750 and get that risk-free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions do apply. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download the Bet Parks app today. Check it out and you will see great info there. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to our guest right now from the fourthperiod.com. We talk to him every Thursday, and he joins us on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. It is once again, Anthony DeMarco. What's going on, Ant? Not much, buddy. Uh, in my new setup for the next couple months, uh, the joy of moving. So more of a retro feel down here. I don't know if you guys can see it, but uh, way more of a retro vibe where in my new setup, that's for sure. It looks like an episode of that 70s show. That's it. That's it. We're just missing the, the circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got the bong circle. Yeah, the bong circle. Hey, it's a PG show. No, it's not. Who am I kidding? Yeah. <laughs> See, a lot of people like saw that circle. Like, what are they doing? Why are they always sitting in a circle? They didn't realize that they were getting ripped. Yeah, I remember you know? once I was watching it with my stepbrother, who was about three years younger than me, which isn't that much. And he was just like, oh, my God, I find it so funny how they just sit in that circle and get drunk. I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to break it, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're burning. Um <laughs> It's, I feel like it's been like the past week, like for so many weeks we've been coming on and going, okay, what's going to happen? What could happen? Barry Trotz, Bruce Cassidy, Pete DeBoer, you know, all these different names, Mike Vellucci. Montgomery. And then, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, Torts is hired and you get this whirlwind of a week. It feels like a thousand things happened in the past week where nothing happened prior to that for about two months. Yeah, like, I mean, look, we kind of knew that it was fast tracking in this direction for a bit. And, you know, the last time we spoke, they hadn't officially announced it yet. I believe it was just like it was kind of like official, but not official. And then we have Torts speak over the weekend. Obviously, he has the uh, media availability on Friday. 
Then he has his uh, private availability at Voorhees on Tuesday, I believe. And it's kind of just been the torch show. And, you know, like him or hate him or like the hire or don't like the hire, you can objectively say that his initial introduction to Philadelphia and the Philadelphia Flyers has been anything but spectacular. And, you know, I know you got to sit down with him one on one uh, yesterday or the day before. And tell me about it. Just how infectious is this guy's passion? Yeah, I mean, look, like I'll be fully transparent here. Um, he's a guy that I obviously beat the drum for for a long time, even going back before they hired AV. He was a guy that I was always like, I just always felt he would fit here in this city. And, you know, all of the theatrics and histrionics and all that shit never bothered me. I always found them entertaining with the way he dealt with the media, which is weird because I was actually a media member for many years. Um, but... I, I just always thought it was a good fit here. And obviously when AV got fired, I mean, the day after AV got fired, the Flyers played the Colorado Avalanche at Wells Fargo that night. You know, AV gets let go in the morning or it's announced in the morning. Mike Yost did interim. They were on back-to-backs with Tampa and Colorado. And Colorado came in and hung a touchdown on him, kicked the shit out of him. And I remember in that postgame show that night on the Flyers radio network, I said that – the they need to look at John Tortorella. So I've sanctioned for this guy. I beat the drum for him. I was obviously for him. So consider that with what I'm about to say. Um, I mean, he hit a home. He hit a grand slam this week. I thought he just touched on everything he needed to touch on. I think that he's attacked some of the narratives about him as a coach and, you know, the dinosaur mentality or players hate playing for him or developing young players, whatever it might be, tenure. I think he's attacked it all head on. And I think, look, when I asked him about it, he said, look, I've made my own bed in a lot of situations. I've made mistakes. I own them. But, you know, it's it's interesting, Ant, because a lot of people look at him as a dinosaur and they call him a dinosaur. And Paul Maurice gets hired. and They go, oh, good hiring by Florida. Yeah, he's exactly. Not a dinosaur, but Torts is. And he is the oldest coach in the Flyers have ever hired at 64 tomorrow. But. I mean, to me, in talking with him both in my one-on-one conversation, which everybody can see in the interview I did with him, or just talking to him off the record, I spent a good amount of time with him on Tuesday. Um, Very progressive hockey thinker. There's no dinosaur thing going on here. He has constantly been evolving and changing. And I, I thought, you know, we talked about a lot of different things philosophically about the game. And I found a guy that's very progressive in his way of, thinking about the games, not in a dinosaur approach at all. So I thought Look, that was really refreshing. I think his candor and his honesty is something that this team and this organization really needs. And the fact that he was able to say in his first media availability that he would like help to aid on the offensive side of the puck and on the power play and really want to get an assistant coach to delegate all of that to, even like by the sounds of it, more of like an associate coach as opposed to an assistant coach. I mean, for a coach to say that and basically say like, yeah, this is not my cup of tea. I want someone there to help me. And especially a coach that is kind of locked at the hip with this narrative that he's old school and players hate him and he burns out fast. Controls everything. Yeah, control freak. I think he squashed a lot of those like those thoughts. And yeah. look, I mean, I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not as, let's say, 
balls deep in this hire as let's say you are. I was more on the neutral side. I was just like, okay, we'll see how it goes. But I got to say, he swung me way more in the positive direction because of it. And then, you know, when I talk to people with the flyers and they say like, wait till you see his passion. And then I see his media availability the day after he was hired or the same day, I forget how it eventually fell on the official side of things. I said, yeah, I could see why this guy was the one that really jumped off the page. And like, look, we know that they really wanted Barry Trotz. But like I said last week, I kind of spoke about it on my podcast yesterday is like, do you want to Barry Trotz who had one foot out the door? Do you want to Barry Trotz whose mind was eventually getting into management? Do you want to Barry Trotz who only took this job because he became the richest coach in NHL history? Yeah. And I think these are things that really maybe started to swing the ball in Tortorella's court. And look, that's not to say it was between Torts and Trots, you know, DeBoer, Montgomery, all Volucci, all these guys that you rattled off, but it sure as hell felt that for the last like month or so, it was kind of a two horse race between these two. Yeah. It, it seemed like a fait accompli. It was either one or the other, or maybe it was Trots and then it was definitely Torts. Uh, but, but you, uh, you can see though, like you saw it too, like, since he's been introduced, you can see how this, <clears throat> how Torts can win a guy over in Big the way time. he presents himself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can just, the, I mean, he, I, I thought it was really interesting. So I asked him too about how he's evolved as a coach. And he said that, you know, earlier in his career, he goes, I think we overcoach because we, we want to control everything. And he's right. Like when the three on three came in, the spirit of the three-on-three was there, and then the coaches got their hands on it and ruined the three-on-three overtime, right, by controlling it and pulling the puck out and all that bullshit. It wasn't just up-and-down frenetic hockey of creativity and and high-flying skill. But he said that I used to try and control everything, and I've had to let go, let go of trying to control every element of, hey, you didn't do this perfect, you didn't forecheck the right way, you didn't defend the right way you were slightly offline you know being on the right side of the puck all of those things he goes because i gotta realize like yeah i played the game and i played the game at a, a substandard level not never made it to the pros like this is tortorella talking how am i supposed to tell guys in that position that have all this skill in the world how they should react on the ice in a, in a fluid game be, when they have all that skill, like he's like, I've never had that skill. How how can I, you know, s- almost tie their hands? So he said, I letting go and just building up the character and building up, you know, what you need to do. And there's going to be mistakes and accepting that and also accepting the consequences of mistakes. But he goes, I had to I had to relinquish control, stop trying to control everything, which is why he said. You know, he'd have super long practices before because he wanted to control everything through repetition. Now he's like, I got to get the same amount of work done. I just got to do it in 45 minutes. You know, just you know, being prepared and, and those things. Kind of like a law, law of diminishing returns, right, eventually. And the mm-hmm. less is more approach. And, you know, I love that part of Tortorella that he's been able to pinpoint where he's messed up in the past. And I believe he's he also mentioned in his media availability that, you know, he mentioned a give and take 
that he'll let you be the creative with the puck, but when you don't have the puck, you have to play the right way. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool way and a cool standard to set with your players that like, look, you could do whatever you want with the puck. If you're Mr. Creativity, luckily or unluckily for the Flyers, they don't have a lot of guys who are overly creative with the puck. Yeah. But let's say you do. And let's say Konechny takes that next step for Farabee or Frost, Frost those guys. Yeah. Frost is like the big one for me that I'm really curious to see how it goes because it felt like Mikey O was working directly with Frost for like almost the entirety of his tenure as interim coach. And so much was about play away from the puck. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I stand by like, as we take a quick sidetrack on Frost, like I stand by that, like he only has a fit on this team. If he's playing center for Mm -hmm. me, I don't think there's another need for another middle of the road winger. He needs to be a centerman. Yeah. So, it's really going to be interesting how he plays away from the puck with John Tortorella. But if John Tortorella says, Hey, you do whatever you want with the puck, you create off uh, offensive opportunities down low. You'll get your time on the power play. But when you don't have the puck, you better be back checking. You be in, better be in the right position. I'm curious to see how it's going to go. And maybe a coach that's just so transparent and is so honest will fit that way better than let's say a guy like AV who probably wasn't the best communicator in the world or a guy like let's say Mike Yo, who really wanted to correct how this team played systematic wise and maybe did it in an overcorrection. So maybe you get a guy like John Tortorella who comes in and is kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah. And and like to go to your point before too, you know, mentioning you got to find the right power play guy. Like they're keeping Kim Dillaball here, the Flyers goaltending coach. He's a good relationship with Hart. And Torch said the other day down in the locker room on Tuesday, he said, I don't know shit about goaltending. <laughs> they got a guy here that does. And the relationship's good. And so much of the goaltending coach, goaltender dynamic is that relationship and trust. So he's going to be staying. You and I were texting last night. I was talking to Bill Meltzer about it as well, uh, about Andrew Brunette. Chuck hired him in Minnesota as his first, first, first assisting, head, assisting coach gig. Is he going to be leaving Florida? I would imagine he leaves Florida. It's a weird dynamic. That situation was weird. That situation was handled weird. He's going to look for another head coaching job, I'm sure. But if there's not one there available to him, this could won't be one that makes sense. I mean, just if you're trying to woo him, just have Mike Sullivan call him. Mike Sullivan worked under Torts for seven years, and you can see the elements in Mike Sullivan, the way he coaches, of the influence of John Tortorella. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's not hard dots to connect, right? That he was, yeah. you know, a longtime Minnesota Wild player. I believe he actually finished with the Blackhawks, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And he's still a young guy, but probably not quite ready to be an assistant coach or a head coach, rather. Kind of took over in a very tumultuous situation, what went down with Q and all that. And maybe he just took over a train that was on a steamroll ahead. But when you got to the playoffs and you start coaching against veterans like Laviolette and John Cooper, he got Cooper, exposed. Yeah. And look, even against the Capitals, like I think if you put any half decent goalie in the net for the Caps, the Capitals yeah. probably win that series. I agree. And, yeah. you know, Brunette, I think he still is a young guy. He's what, early 40s, mid 40s? Yeah. It felt like he. It felt like he was playing not too long ago here, you know, mm-hmm. so maybe he comes in for like beside Tortorella and that would work a lot. And kind of, you know, when we were texting, you had mentioned kind of like he would kind of be like an in-house replacement 
in the long term. You know, Tortorella isn't a spare chicken. Like, even if he finishes out the term on his contract, like what he wants. Exactly. Like, you can't imagine that he would go beyond that. I mean, I guess it's possible. I think Rick He said this is his last job. Yeah. So there you go. It's not. uh, So and I think it would be kind of cool for the Flyers to have an in-house replacement already at the ready. Because the last time they did that was Barubi. And he lasted less than two full seasons. Yeah. So, and beyond him, you have to really go back to John Stevens, who really got a long tenure as an in-house replacement. And I do think that along with Hitch, right? Yeah, he was the coach of the. Yeah, he was the coach of the Phantoms, and then he came up with Hitch, and then he eventually became uh, the head coach in two thousand and six, two thousand seven. And look, I, like I, I'm not opposed to like outside hires, but you also have to look at some examples recently of Baruby winning a cup, Cooper winning a cup, Cassidy. Well, no, he he just got them to the cup final, but Mike Sullivan. You know, a lot of these last coaches came from within their respective organizations. Yeah. I think the last outside hire to actually win a Stanley Cup was Barry Trotz with the Caps in 2018. Yeah. Now, look, it's not a one-size-fits-all system. It really even, depends. Yeah, even Chief in St. Louis came from the AHL affiliate. Exactly. So, you know, like, you do have to kind of account for that, and you can't always go with outside hires. Yeah. And, you know, even a guy like Haxtell was an outside hire. He jumped straight from the NCAA. So I would be very on board with Andrew Brunette. But like you mentioned, I guess that would be him exhausting all head coaching opportunities first. Yeah. Well, look, there's not a lot of chairs left, Ant. <laughs> there's not yeah. i mean they're the vegas filled dallas filled florida now filled with paul maurice uh i mean winnipeg's still out there but barry trotz is still out there i don't i, I just have this gut feeling he's not going to coach next year i wouldn't just, be surprised I, I have no info but i just why isn't he why is he not decided yet i mean it's like you're with all these other chairs kind of being filled and for him not to make a decision yet to me there's massive indecision there at that point, either commit shit or get off the pot here. Let's go. I have a little bit of speculation. And look, this is like, I would say 95% speculation. But have you looked at how old David Poyle is? That guy, I think he's approaching 80 now. Is he really? I think wow. David Poyle is like in Lou Lamorello territory as far as age concerns, as far wow. as age goes, rather. And like, I'm thinking like, is he maybe not waiting for to just get a GM spot with the Nashville Predators? That that's kind of like where my head is at. We know he 72. bought a house, yeah, seventy two. So not quite like Lamorello, but Poyle, I believe, is the only GM uh, the Predators have ever had. Yeah, He's and the GM in NHL history. Yeah, just based on longevity. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, look, I I think that that is a big possibility that you may see Barry Trotz become maybe not the next general manager of the Nashville Predators, but maybe an assistant GM or something like that. Yeah. It's almost like uh, an apprenticeship because Poyle's going to retire, but there's a transitional period of a year or two where he works alongside David Poyle. Yeah. As like almost a co-GM, if you will. Th- th- that's where my head is kind of at. Yeah, I, don't, I-, I don't think that you might, I don't think you'd be, you're very far off on that. That's kind of what I feel as well. Bought that house in Nashville. Exactly. He spent how many years? 15 plus with the Nashville Predators, the first coach they knew. And for me, it just felt like like from an on-ice team perspective, Winnipeg made a ton of sense. I know that uh, Darren Dreger had reported that he has an elderly father who still lives in Manitoba. 
So, I mean, I thought that would be a good fit, even from a personal perspective. Obviously, Shevel Dayoff is another guy who you would assume that maybe sooner rather than later is no longer the GM with the Jets. He's been there for since the organization moved back to Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I it but like you said, it just feels like this guy's in no hurry to get back behind a bench. And then that's why I kind of started thinking after the first three, four weeks of him being available, like, is this really the guy you want to come in if he clearly is in no hurry? to start coaching again. And I kind of was thinking like if he ends up in Philadelphia, it's only because the offer was just so lucrative that he could not deny it. Yeah. And sometimes like, Hey, that's great. You can, you know, your organization of means you can do that, but is that the right fit? Because is the guy committed from, you know, every fiber of his being, or is it a financial decision? And look, finances come into it, but John Tortorella is going to make good money. I mean, torts, like I asked him, in my one-on-one with him towards the end of it, I said, how on God's green earth are you going to calm down and kind of let your summer take place so you can go in fresh? You know what I mean? Like he's got his whole training camp done. Every practice is planned already. <laughs> he mentioned that the other day. He's like, I got training camp done. Like it, that thing is all laid out, ready to go. When we're doing this, now he's working on travel. He, his, one of his, this is another thing that he mentioned, like as he's kind of gotten older and, and gone through it, you know, he he wants the guys like on the road. If you play, say, in Minnesota on a Tuesday and then you're going to Colorado after that to play on Thursday, he goes, I want to stay over in Minnesota on that game night. I don't want to travel from Minnesota to Colorado that night, get into Colorado at 3 a.m., have a small a skate the next day. And then maybe Colorado is a bad example because you want to get there early because of the altitude. But. Whatever. I got you, man. Yeah, but he's like, I want the guys like after a game to be able to go have a meal, have a beer together, those kind of things. That's more important than to us jumping on a plane right away and getting to the next destination just to be there. He goes, so I, I think their travel is going to be a lot different this year where look, their travel is not difficult because of where we're located here. All the train rides and bus rides because of New York, New Jersey, and DC, it's a lot easier. And Torch is used to that because he coached in New York. So he knows that element of it. But when you have some of those road trips and you have an opportunity to stay overnight in Minnesota or stay overnight in Chicago, as opposed to just going from Chicago to Detroit, stay, let the boys go out and have a beer, have a couple, you know, have a nice steak dinner after the game and have a couple drinks that, that brings the group together. I think that's important. And, I think this is that that's the evolution of going, how do I get these guys together completely on and off the ice? And that's part of it, I think. And look, I, I think his number one job, aside from X's and O's and aside from developing players, I think his number one job here is changing the culture in that room. Standard, and getting, right? And getting everyone on the same page. And look, yeah. we've heard rumblings for over a year now that that locker room was fractured. And the other use part that of- were fractured and splintered to use both those words and a couple times this week about the locker room. And if he knows that, that means yeah. the front office knows that. And I think he, from that perspective is the best guy for the job. And I think it's a big plus that he's coming in. And one of the guys who maybe not a favorite for the captain, but certainly one of the new leaders of this team, Cam Atkinson is a yeah. massive fan of torts. 
And I think that he's going to have a really, not, not a big task, but more of a significant task because of how important it's going to be to get these guys on the same page. And I think, and again, like this is not to kick rocks at G or Jake Voracek or Shane Gossesbear, but I think it is so important on a good in a good way that those guys are gone, that yeah, he's going to be able to, like, and again, this is not me kicking rocks at G. Like, I have nothing bad to say about the guy. But I think the fact that you're coming in, there's no captain as of yet. I'm of the belief there shouldn't be a captain this year, but I know there probably will be. But I think that you still have some leftover from the last um, from the last era in Katori and Scott Lawton, Provorov, Sanheim, Konechny. They kind of went through that. And then the newer type of, types of leaders in Hayes and Cam Atkinson. And I think the fact that it is kind of like a brand new leadership group here, I think that Tortorella is going to have an easier time because of it. And I, I, I think, totally agree. Totally. Agree. You think so? I, I think you're dead on. And here's why. Because I think that when you have a captain that was here as long as, as G, and again, this is nothing against Drew. Everybody knows how I feel about him, both from a hockey perspective on and off the ice. Obviously, I, I've gotten to know him pretty well. But when there's that void there now, and there's not that guy just sitting there that's going to automatically take it, it puts everybody in a position to go, okay, I got to step up. I want a part of this leadership. I want ownership. And I think when you have ownership in sports, that's a huge thing. Look at year one of Kevin Hayes with AV. He was the Cam Atkinson. He played for AV before. He was the translator, if you will, for everybody. You know, is this AV just being a pain in the ass? Is this legit? You know, all of those things. Atkinson's going to get those questions. Like, Cam, is he? Is this just bullshit or is this legit what he's pissed off about? You no, know, is he just trying to make any – there's going to be those things. And Cam can go, what? look, the, this is really important to Torts. Or, to be the conduit. Yeah, exactly. And I think that – I think it's really good to have that void in leadership that needs to be filled for some guys at a really important times in their career. And you mentioned Konechny and you mentioned Provorov. Like, those guys should be jumping at that. Konechny's been a yeah. captain every level he's been at except the NHL. I'm not suggesting he should be the captain here, but I'm saying there's an opportunity for him to jump into that. And if he can jump into some leadership, then I think that helps him, you know, in in – his stead with the organization and his stead with the team. And because I think when you're a leader, you hold yourself to a different level of standard in the way you come to the rink every day. And look like Konechny is a guy that I think is polarizing in a lot of ways on this team. Pro Rob as well. Right. Yeah. Pro Rob and Konechny are two guys who were kind of like staple draft picks from the Ron Hextall era yeah. that it's like, there's the battle lines are drawn. You either hate them or you love them. And, like, look, uh, from an objective standpoint, I felt like Konechny's expendable because of how deep they are on the right wing. But I also know that there's many in the Flyers organization that really like the player and feel like there's yeah. still a lot for him to give. And, look, even as of today, you can bank on him scoring 50 to 55 points. Yep. But I think what they're hoping is that you can get that to that point production we saw in 1920. And I think that him, much like Provorov, would be best served to stay here another year. And then if you want to trade him, the value is that much more. Now, yeah. look, I'm not going to sit here and say, I think Travis Konechny is a top line winger or standalone top line winger, but I still think that he's maybe like that, that fringe between the second and first line. Yeah. And I would love to see 
what a guy like Tortorella would be able to do for Travis Konechny. And I, you know, I was told earlier this week from someone within the Flyers that, you know, there's no truth to the Konechny rumors. Now, do I believe that no team has ever kicked tires on his availability or what the Flyers would want from him? Of course not. But I don't think the Flyers are actively looking to shop him. I don't think they're actively. He falls into that category of, hey, nobody's untouchable, but I'm not proactively shopping him. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I or I, I, I would even argue that I would advocate for him to be more available, but I also understand why the Flyers don't want to make him that available. Yeah. And also a guy is Ivan Provorov. I am so curious to see what John Torrelli could do for him because you saw what he did with the likes of Zach Warinsky and Seth Jones down in Columbus. And obviously it goes far beyond the coaching. The Flyers have to find a solution to the right side of that top pair, whether it's Ryan Ellis getting healthy, which I mean, I'm not banking on or bringing in a reasonable facsimile like Matthew Dumba or Ethan bear, something along those lines. But I mean, all I'm going to say is that uh, these are two players that obviously have become very polarizing, have struggled respectively at times over the last year and a half that I think, are going to be big benefactors of John Tortorella. Yeah, and that's the thing about Torts too. He he's been a guy that's always developed talent. And in this situation, yeah, he'd be developing some young talent, whether that's, you know, Noah Cates, who I think he'll like a lot, and Joel Farabee taking him to another level, which I think I would really like Farabee a lot. But to me, it's also about looking at those players like Provorov, like Konechny, and getting the arc of their NHL development pointed in the right direction again as opposed to plateauing or regressing, you know, over the past couple of years. And um, whether some of that's pandemic related, I don't know. I don't care why no. why it hasn't happened. It's for some players in the league, it has, and some it hasn't. And that's been going on around the league forever, that players hit a certain level, then they either regress or they plateau, and you think they have more to give. Well, Tortorella is going to find out if they got more to give. And yeah. if they don't, then – and, and it's, if it's because of commitment or any of those things, then they won't be here. <laughs> but he's going to get a chance to to find that out himself before. You know, this notion that what's Konechny done in this lately? Three straight 24 goal seasons. And in the last one that he had the 24, he did it in 69 games. So it was a 30 goal pace. You know, like you said, he's not a standalone top line winger. Let's not act like the guy's Alpo, you know, that no. it's dog shit, you know. Again, I think it's just this, it's our society today. Like we say things with such extreme, it, it, it's either he's great or he's dog shit. The, the yeah. middle ground, it's like politics in, in the U.S. Yeah. It's either you're all the way over here, you're all the way over here. It's very little, actually, there's a lot of people that live in the middle ground, they just don't say anything. So the things that get said, are, are the extremes. He's, Flyers have no talent. Well, Sean Couturier won a selfie two years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there, are some, there is some talent here. Do they need more? Fuck yeah, they need more. <laughs> they, they need, need high-end high talent. talent. Exactly. Yeah. Which brings me to Debrinket, because, you know, I see uh, the, the guy, I think Dan, who you do uh, Butterly Pod with, be like, if you don't want Debrinket, then you're not a Flyer fan. But what Dan's got to realize I want to bring it. I want a 40 goal scorer. Of course, he's 24 years old. But after this year, his qualifying offer is going to be $9 million. And then if I want to extend him when he gets the UFA status, 
That's starting with a 10 if he keeps doing what he's doing. He's a winger. I have to consider all these different elements, too, that, hey, I got some aging centers on this roster. I don't have great organizational depth when it comes to the center position. He's a winger, an undersized winger. Yeah, he does something that I need, which is score. But it's not just this slam dunk. I got to figure out all the salary cap ramifications of this. I got Sanheim coming up on UFA status. I got to figure out what I'm doing there. I got Carter Hart that's going to be coming up on UFA status. I got to figure out what I'm going to do there. Faraby, all these pieces. There's there's way more to just just going, hey, if you don't want this guy, then you're not a true fan. Well, look, uh, like I would be all in for Debrinket. He is that high-end talent. He's a young player. but With that you know, money to attach to? Look, I mean, because you have to ask yourself, Jay, is just like who else on this team is going to be a nine to ten million dollar player mm-hmm. within the organization too? Like, even if yeah, let's say I, see, you, I have a problem just kind of going nine to ten million dollars on a winner. That that's a good point, and that's, that's why. Issue. And I that's why He's I'm center. Fuck, I'm in. <laughs> well, that's it because you have to say how many nine million dollar wingers are there in the NHL? Mm-hmm. You know, you have Kucherov, you have Marner, you have. Ovechkin, Panarin. We're going to have Goudreau. Goudreau. And he's another guy. He kind of fa- falls into the same under the same umbrellas. It's like, do you want to pay a winger $10 million and an undersized winger at that? Yeah. And the, in the case of Goudreau, you know, you're at least you're not going to be giving up assets to bring him in. Yeah. But, you know, you're going to be backing up the Brinks truck for a guy who's going to be 30 years old in what, a year from now? Yeah. So, I mean, in the case of Debrinket, like I, I, I want Alex Debrinket for sure, but you know I asked one of my sources yesterday, and they said, you know, we don't have the assets to trade for him. And yeah, do I disagree I, with that. <laughs> yeah, I just because I didn't take it as we don't have the assets in the way of like if we couldn't put together a package. I took it as we know what other teams are putting together, and we're not willing to go there. So teams are going too far. I, I think they kicked the tires with Chicago yeah. on him. But, you know, it, it you're going to have to give up a lot. And the thing is, is like we're seeing now with Pierre-Luc Dubois, which I think Fridge reported last night, he wants to get to free agency. It's not till 2024. <laughs> but yeah. still, like, if I give up this huge package and he just decides he wants to get to UFA status, there's nothing I can do. And I get two years of the player and I'm kind of left in the lurch and I don't have any of the assets that I gave up, whether it's the fifth pick and Faraby and something else. I don't know. But yeah. And, and I think that's what he, like my, my source meant was that, you know, by we don't have the assets. I think they meant like, you know, we know what teams are going to put together for him. We know that they've kicked tires. TFP reported that. Yeah. But I think it's that they don't, they don't think they have the assets in a realistic world in so terms of like is too great for what they're yeah. willing to give up. Yeah. And I believe that based on conversation I've had with people that that fifth overall pick is in play, that they're going to use it to see what they could do with it. But I mean, are you going to trade, like you said, the fifth overall Joel Farabee and Cam York to bring in Alex to bring it. Yeah. And then, and then not have the guarantee that he doesn't want to get the U unrestricted free agency. Yeah, and that's why, and we discussed on our podcast yesterday with uh, Anthony Sanfilippo, and I said, like, based on all these, you know, all, this entire situation between what you would have to trade for to bring it, what he, what's he going to command as an RFA, all that, 
would you rather do that or would you rather go after Johnny Gaudreau who would just cost you in the way of cap space? Yeah. So I'll flip I that question. I can't go after either though because I don't have the cap space. Even if I'm able to move JVR, I don't have this dearth of second round picks to move players around right now to, to sweeten the deal because I, I traded the second round picks. So that's part of it. And then the other thing is, yeah, they can buy out Limblom and – I think that there's a real good chance they do buy out Limblom. I, I know this is like one of those things that people like don't want to talk about because of what Oscar went through. But let's just park what Oscar went through and what we think of him as a person and the courageous battle he had. Let's park that for a second. From a hockey standpoint, it probably makes a lot of sense for the Flyers to buy out Oscar Limblom. Big time. Big time. And, you know, we've gone over it that if you check it on cab friendly, they would actually save more on the cap than his AAV this year they would save 3.33 and then the penalty in the following year would only be two-thirds of a million dollars six six hundred sixty six thousand and look like like you said if we're parking what he went through and what we all think of him as a person at the door for just a second he has not been good the last 18 months and not not commensurate with that salary no not at all fourth-line player and look even as you also realizing it like he may never get back to that player that we thought he was going to be or that he was trending to be. His body went through a ton. He may never yeah. get back there. That sucks for a guy, a young guy to have his career and, you know, the potency of his career derailed because of that. But it, this is a bit like if we're just looking at this from a business standpoint, the piece has got to fit. And, and the thing is, is that I think when Chuck Fletcher gave him that contract three million for three years i think it was kind of out of goodwill like let's mm-hmm. be honest you only had a 30 game sample size of oscar Limbaugh playing as a top six player yeah. and i know that we had fond memories of that but he only had what like 18 points in 30 games like yeah he, he wasn't was team. that's the, the thing but it's like it was 30 games what have you been yeah. leading the team at the end of the year and still wasn't a high number so I, I would say that, you know, the Flyers kind of paid him in advance, yeah. kind of like at an investment. And to this point, the investment hasn't worked out, which is OK. I if you, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously, but I don't blame Chuck Fletcher for giving him that contract. What was it two yeah. years ago? Yeah. But now when you look at where the players at, what a guy like Noah Cates has been able to provide for you how important a guy like Scott Lawton has become, and those are probably his two best comparables on the roster right now as bottom six left wingers. And then you look at what it would give you in terms of benefits on the cap. And I just don't world (laughs) in a flat cap world. Then like, it's not often where you get a buyout that would be this advantageous for you. Like go check the the penalty for buying out JVR. It's not a good look. Yeah. There, there's not much advantage to doing it. There just isn't. For JVR, no. And, like, yeah. look, they, they want to move them, but, you know, I don't think anything's close because they would have to pay to get rid of them. I think yeah. that they will move him eventually, but I think what they're trying to do right now is try and exhaust all their options on trying to give up the least amount of possible for JVR. So <laughs> you're probably going to be giving up an asset to get rid of JVR, but in the case of Oscar Limblom, you have an opportunity that like for almost for free and for this year specifically, you're also you're almost gaining cap space. You 
can just get rid eleven of million dollars in cap space with the two moves. A hundred percent, almost eleven million dollars. I think it's ten flat, if I'm not. Oh no, Is, because with the extra, the bit, yeah, the yeah. extra, yeah. And you know, then you have your money to go get some guys. And look, I've even said like I put out a poll maybe two, Philip three Forsberg. weeks. Philip Forsberg or Va- Valeri Nachushkin. Yeah, he's going to get paid. He might get a little inflated. He, he's an interesting guy too because like he started his career and there was a lot of disappointment early in his career. Late bloomer at the NHL level. But look at him yeah. now. Like, I mean, that guy is a fucking farm animal out there. Bought out by Dallas. Yeah, he was that bought crazy? out. Bought out. And I, I always like the player. I like his size. I like his versatility that he can... He can skate. He can play either wing. Like, I threw this out on Twitter a few weeks ago. Like, assuming the cap hits are more or less the same, would you rather Johnny Gaudreau or would you rather Nachushkin and Nick Paul? Yeah, see, it's the two-for-one thing again. You know, uh, I, I solve multiple problems with the two, but neither of Nick Paul or Nachushkin give me the f- fear of God when he steps on the ice. Exactly. And that's what Johnny Gaudreau brings. But then again, you're right. Are you willing to pay $10 million a year for a winger who will be in his 30s for the lion's share of the term? Yeah. See, this is where Philip Forsberg gets really interesting to me. You know? Yeah. Because, like, the sock. Like, you know how I, I, like, I love... Big up the, the middle. The way you build, the build a team, my philosophy, and Forsberg plays the wing, but, I mean, he gives you a lot of size up front, and he plays a heavy game. You know, I look at that, and I go, that's a team that's a bitch to play against in the playoffs. Yep. You know? No, you need, you need those guys. And, like, he's center, we can play the wing, he can transition, do a little bit of everything. Well, this is why, like, back when he was available – in January of 2021, I wanted Pierre-Luc Dubois because mm-hmm. he's a big guy. He plays down the middle and, you know, was still young at the time, still young now. Obviously, a lot has changed that he wants to walk to UFA status. But, like, there's just not a lot of opportunities to add big-level centermen in the NHL. And, you know, I like Couturier. I like Kevin Hayes. Frost, I'm, I'm not sure yet with, but he did show some promise at the end of last season but this is still a team that is weak down the middle. And, you know, unless Frost takes a massive step next year, yeah, I don't know if, pardon me? And it can, and can be consistent. That's it. And, like, you know, like, I think that he showed promise with Owen Tippett, but, like, like we kind of broke down earlier in our show, like, how is he going to be able to excel under a guy like John Tortorella? Yeah. Well, man, so many questions. So many questions, but you know, they're going to be aggressive. I think that's what I'm hearing. They're going to be aggressive. No, Darren Jager said the same thing. I'm just not sure if they're going to like mortgage the future in any way. Yeah. I think you got to be strategic and you got to be tempered. You can't be desperate. Yeah, like for me, like that's the thing that kind of scares me with the Brinket, which like I, I would have to see what the actual package would be. But I think that based on the text I got yesterday is kind of like, we know what it's going to cost and we're not willing to go there with our assets. Because I think it's going to be like a Cam York. Do you want to give up a Cam York when there's so much uncertainty surrounding Ryan Ellis? Do you want to give up a Joel Farabee 
when you know he's arguably been your best draft pick as far as first rounders go and as skaters go in the last five years do you want to start dipping into the prospect pool with a guy like tyson forster when he's probably like your own real like even though it's a long shot Mm -hmm. your only real shot of getting a homegrown high-end talent player yeah score to boot score to boot like he like there's just a lot of players here like look like yeah if you could get him for something revolving around a Travis Konechny or a Morgan Frost then yeah I would I would go for that 100% but from a Blackhawk point of view and I think we all know that other teams are going to back up the Brings trucks for Alex to bring it in the way of assets you know if you're the Blackhawks are you trading him for Konechny and Morgan Frost no you're not doing that exactly they, they, they want much more than that they're and I think at, the grand salami with the bracket. And I and I think that a team like New Jersey, and I think Anthony Sanfilippo brought up on my podcast yesterday. I think that's a team that's going to be very aggressive because you get Alex to it to play beside Jack Hughes for the next decade. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a tandem there, and they have some guys by like I would have to assume a Pavel Zaka is a name that would be going the other way. Maybe they number ship two off overall number. Yeah, top. Uh, yeah, he was in the Provorov draft, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, and then maybe you part with him, Nico Hishir. He is the captain, so maybe not so much. But, you know, they have some young players there that maybe they, they find are more expendable. But again, with yeah, the... they got a ton of cap space, too. They have a ton of cap space. And the thing is, is that with them, is that they have their top two centers locked and loaded for the next 10 years in Hughes yeah. and Hishir. So for them, if they get rid of everything surrounding that... They don't really give a damn because, like you said, they're built down the middle yeah, in the way of the floor fl- yeah, their structure. And in the way of the Flyers, you don't really have that those centermen for the next 10 years. You kind of have top two centermen for the next three years, if you're lucky. Like, how long could you possibly keep going back to the well with Katori and Kevin Hayes as your top two centers? I think, I mean, Katori to me is more like the five, six year, but Hayes is three potent. That's it. Yeah. And he has four years left on his contract. I think five. No, four. Some, four years, yeah. And look, I, I, I like Kevin Hayes. I like Sean Couture. It's just collectively as your top two guys, Yeah. unless you have a really strong th- three. And eventually you got to move Hayes to be your third line centerman. Yeah, you or him. Dynamic yeah. top line centerman. I mean, if you have like a legit 1C, Couture is a two, Hayes is a three, then that's different because you're slotted differently. Yeah, you're talking like, let's say, you know, obviously wishful thinking, but let's say in the summer of 2023, you find a way to sign Dylan Larkin. Yeah. Well, then now you're talking, but then you're probably investing how many millions of dollars down the middle. But at the same time, Toronto does that with two guys. So maybe that's the formula, right? Yeah. Got to be good down the middle. Um, All right. Let's wrap it up, Ant. Um, People can read your stuff at thefourthperiod.com. Yep, of course. And uh, on Twitter, a demarco 25 as always. As always. Uh, so we went pretty long today, 46 minutes. So um, thanks for doing this, brother. We'll talk next week. No worries, man. Looking forward to it. There he is. Anthony DeMarco, thefourthperiod.com. We appreciate him jumping on as always. Uh, let me tell you about Bet Parks one more time. Uh, we got the cup final game tomorrow night. It could be the last one of the year, last uh, hockey game of the year. But you still got... Yeah, NBA's over, but you still got baseball, you still got golf, you still got tennis, you still got Formula One, lots of areas to bet on, and football just around the corner, college and pro. 
you got to check out the new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app because it is fantastic. And take it from me, the new Bet Parks back, Bet Parks app is everything you want in a mobile casino and sportsbook. You know, if baseball doesn't move you like it doesn't move me, but you want to get some action on it, you can bet runs, you know, all different kinds of player performances, same game parlays, you name it. It's all there and easy to navigate, over-unders, name it. Uh, easy to sign up, easy to use, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. And right now, all Bet Parks users, everybody, new and existing, can use the promo code JASON750, JASON750, and that's going to get you a risk-free bet up to $750. Again, that's for new and existing users. Some terms and conditions do apply. JASON750, and that'll get you that risk-free bet up to $750. So download the Parks Bet Parks Sportsbook app today. You're going to love it. It is fantastic. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 53 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We're back next week with another episode as we inch closer to the NHL draft and much more. Everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on a brand new edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 